Episode 102 of Married Millennials will begin after these messages. We are the Love Jays, and you're listening to Married Millennials. A conversation about navigating life, love, and relationships, one student loan payment at a time. I'm Joy. I'm Justin. Let's get to it. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Married Millennials. March Madness is officially upon us. This is the greatest time in sports history. There is no other sporting event that is quite like March Madness. And this year's tournament has been exceptionally mad. Shout out to UMBC, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, for being the first 16 seed to ever beat a number one seed in the men's NCAA tournament. Yay, sports. <laughs> you see, Joy's like, I don't care about this it's, at all. I wouldn't say that I couldn't care less. I'm not quite there with it. I understand that sports are a thing that excite people. I enjoy a good live sporting event. Like, if, if I were at a March Madness game. Oh, you'd then, love it. The, yeah, then I could be, oh, and then this happened, and this, and it was a really cool experience. Whereas, like, just to sit here and watch it at home for hours. I mean, that was all that was on the entire weekend. The entire weekend. It's obligatory. Everywhere we went. You have like, to. Ugh. It's just, it's the greatest sporting event in history. But again, back to University of Maryland, Baltimore County, UMBC. Ugh. I was so hyped about them winning that I went and purchased a shirt from their online bookstore. I I was that committed. And one of our listeners, Yvette, shout out to you, Yvette, is a UMBC alum. And I was out here just tweeting the whole time during the game. And I said, if this happens, where can I buy a shirt? And Yvette tags the bookstore. And then I'm talking back and forth with the bookstore via DM. And I found out the next day that they had 2,000 orders come in that overnight of people who were looking to buy UMBC apparel. 2,000 thousand orders that's the power of sports like i i had never heard of umbc and it's been reported that umbc actually graduates the is the number one school for african-american phds and mds in the country so it's a very prestigious highly academic school so i was just when i read that and then their president is super dope one of the most respected educators of all time was involved in the civil rights work I was just like, oh, yeah, UMBC, I'm about that life. So, yes, I did order a shirt, and I will proudly rock it. And as someone who's a, a former college athlete, I understand what it feels like being the underdog. I went to a, a D3. Oh, God, here comes the life story. Go <laughs> ahead, baby. <laughs> no, Go ahead. no, I, w- I went to a, a, a D3 <laughs> university, in Chapman University in Orange County. And at the time, our school had never been to the Division III NCAA tournament. And I think I was a, a sophomore or junior. I think it might have been my junior year. I was blogging for the National D3 website and basically giving our case. I was saying, why are we constantly getting robbed and not getting opportunities? We ended up being selected to the tournament my junior and senior year, and we won our opening round game our junior and senior year and ended up losing in the second round to the same team both years. But I knew what it felt like. People didn't think we were even supposed to be there. Then we got the invitation to the tournament, and we won both of our games. So that sheer exhilaration. Do you remember that game, the first yeah, game junior year? You guys good, stormed yeah. the court. Like That experience was unbelievable. I so filmed I, it. Yes, you did. And yeah. I don't know where that footage is. I can't find the camera, couldn't find the card. I've searched all computers. It kills me that that footage was lost. 
kills me. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was just one of those those memories I, I just I was able to identify with 100%. I know what it feels like to be the underdog and just, yeah, we in here. Hyped. Shout out to UMBC, the Retrievers. I can't wait to rock my UMBC tee. Shout out to all my Maryland folks, all my East Coast folks who rock with Mary Millennials. I'm dumb hyped. Hi, 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 hyped. I mean, I do care. I care like four minutes worth of dialogue here. Not quite there, but I, um, you know, congratulations to all the teams that performed well this weekend. I, you know, it's an accomplishment. It is. Yeah. And now we got the Sweet 16, and they're coming to L.A., but the teams who are coming to L.A., I'm not really excited about, so I'm not sure I'm going to go and watch any of the games. Oh, so all the games happen in different states? In the different regions. So it's the West region, the East, I'm South, and Midwest. Okay, right. so basically, <laughs> yeah, so out of those regions, all the games are played in one specific facility. Got it. Basketball is happening for like another three weeks, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, yes. That's how so, long this so is. So this weekend coming up, we got the Sweet 16 <sighs> and the Elite Eight. And then after that, we have Final Four weekend. You going to be home all weekend? I will be home most of the weekend. Uh, okay. Why? Are you trying to leave the house? No, I just wanted to know if maybe you wanted to go watch it somewhere else <laughs> for a little bit. You see the disrespect yeah. that happens? The you disrespect. Know, I just, after a while, you get tired of hearing the sound of sneakers squeaking on a court and whistles and announcers. It's just, it's a long day of that. White noise. That's not quite white noise. Well, I, I understand. But it. you love it. So it, it's, it's I greatest, want you to have it. It is the greatest sporting I, event in the I history of sports. It. Yeah. There's there's no debate. It, it's, it's the greatest the time greatest? of the year. The greatest? The greatest. It's four weeks of for amazingness. For basketball or for? My whole thing is I want to. I need to take a weekend. One day I'm going to Vegas with me and the guys. We'll get there late Wednesday. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I want to sit in a sports book and bet on games all a day. sports book? Yeah, there's, there's a sports book. So it's basically a, a lounge book? where you have these phenomenal, comfortable, relaxing chairs. And they have every single game that you can ever is imagine all bar? on TV. No, it's the sports book because this is where you book all your bets. Uh, so you go, to, you go to the sports book, and it's, and it. it's like a sports lounge. Okay. And they have all the TVs up there. And you can just place your bets, drink beer, eat food. Like, that is... T- what? That's just a man's. That's a man's dream. It's right. the greatest time. I mean, of the I year. guess I went to a book signing this weekend. Like that's <laughs> this is how different our lives are. <laughs> Justin's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna watch basketball all day, and then I'm like, oh yes, I'm going to a book signing and a conversation. Uh, you know, with, between two authors, it was actually um, Nicola Yoon was the moderator of a conversation, really between her and uh, Tahira Mafi and. Yeah, it was really cool for those of you who are into YA. Uh, these women are beasts. I, they just, they write so much. They're creative geniuses. Their stuff is being optioned for uh, TV shows and films. Nicola Yoon already, she's the author of Everything, Everything, which was released last year with Amandala. And our next book, The Sun is Also a Star, has also been adapted into a film, so that'll be out sometime. And yeah, I don't know, this is... Women dominating. So you're, you are, are excited about men dominating, and I'm excited about women dominating. So that's, that's just what's happening. The tale of two weekends. I'm yeah. glad you were able to spend part of your weekend enjoying what you wanted to do. I spent part of my weekend enjoying what I wanted to do. Yeah. We also went to the Crenshaw's Farm and Market on Saturday. Shout out to our listeners, Stuart and Christiane, for inviting us down to the Farmer's Market. They own a Caribbean catering company, and the food is fire. They have both plant-based and 
meat-based option, so we grubbed up yeah. on some nommy nom nom mm. vegan food. Yeah, and we were able to save a little because we did pretty much kill it while we were there, but we were able to save a little and have the leftovers later. Oh, so good. Delicious. So, look, if, yeah. you, if you are in the L.A. area... Who's Hungry LA? That is the name of, of their catering company. They're at the Crenshaw's Farmer Market every Saturday. Mm-hmm. And if you need some bomb diggity-ness at your next event, holler at them. They take oh. care of it. Oh, and then the lemon thyme lemonade. Oh, fire. Yes. And then the pineapple ginger drink. All homemade. Really good. It's just, really good. I'm seeing, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And there's just, mm. and I asked him, which was interesting, because I was like, you have both. Plant-based options and meat-based options. I said, how much have you seen the transition change between people who are eating uh, the vegan food versus the the non-vegan food? And he said, in the beginning, we used to have so much vegan food left over. And he said, now that's the first thing gone. Yeah. So the times are coming, y'all. Veganism is so much fun. Come on, everyone. Oh, no. Boo! That is not going to win a Grammy, but but, but good one. Hey, (laughs) I see it all the time. Veganism. Every time I I have a delicious... Although I am celebrating my, my one-year anniversary. Today? today is officially the day. Where Happy one-year vegan anniversary. It's not one-year vegan anniversary. I got to be clear on that. This is the one year since I've eliminated meat from my diet. Well, yeah. My, my anniversary was the same. And I, I think I, I have definitely talked about this on the show. But for those of you who don't remember, when I first transitioned, I was giving myself a full two years to be vegan. Because it is a huge life shift. I mean, not even just you know, switching your diet to a plant-based diet, but, like, eliminating things that you don't even know have animal stuff in it. I was just talking to Justin before the show. This isn't an animal problem, but this is, like, a plastic problem. Straws. Straws are a huge issue. And I am. I'm turning into that person. You just, are 100% just, turning into just that just person. like, oh. He's like, now we're going to be the house that has all glass things, no straws. Yeah. We're, we're going to be yeah. that family. Your friends are like, damn, we got to go to join Justin's yes. spot. Everything is going to be reckless. And it's going to be all this one. All right. joy. Well, because, it, and, like, even our dog's poop bags are, they're biodegradable because I'm like, man, the plastic in the ocean. It's this. Here's the thing. I think on some level we each feel that we're not that responsible for what's happening to earth right you of course feel like well i'm just one person but of uh, hundreds of billions yes but if every single person thinks that then of course you're gonna have issues so i just feel like i gotta do my part because then i could say at least i tried now i'm not gonna go around everybody's door and knock and be like hey did you know about the dangers of plastic i'm i'm not that serious about it i mean i am but i i I would happily speak to someone about it if they asked me, but I feel the same way about vegan, being vegan. It's not, like, I'm not going to, well, actually, I do end up bringing it up. You know what's going to happen? Joy is going to be one of those people. You know when you go to the grocery store and you have people outside the grocery store with their green thumbs and shirts saying, sign this petition, and you're just like, why are you talking to me? Why are you you disrupting? Joy is going to be that I'm person. I'm not going to be that person. But, you know, I do find that when you change your diet, your brain, and we were having this conversation with the, a gentleman at Who's Hungry LA, mm-hmm. with somebody who was also visiting um, the stall. But you're, you have a different kind of mental clarity. Like the fog just is removed. The illusion is removed. So you start to understand things 
in a very different way. And you do, you feel you have a greater responsibility. And the truth is we always have had that responsibility. But when you're living a certain way, you have the ability to act like that's not happening. <laughs> like, no, no, I don't. It's not up to me. It's up to everyone else. And that's just not the truth. So that's where I'm at. Well, it's easy to swim downstream. Yeah. It's hard to, to go against the tide and, and do what's different. And this is another case. But you are becoming that person. I just want you to know. You are. But Ho- hopefully gonna... I won't see you outside of a Trader Joe's <laughs> asking people to sign petitions. I'm not going to do that because at the end of the day, I don't know how effective those things are. I know that I can be effective on my own. I'm not going to sit there and be like, hey, could you sign this thing? And then I'm going to give it to this representative who's going to throw it away. Like, that's not going to happen. I'd rather just, like, you know, talk about it on my podcast. <laughs> Another fun thing we did this weekend is shoot down and visit my grandparents. I love, love, love my grandparents. I think a lot of people think of their grandparents as like some just elderly people who, you know, have always been innocent and great hair and sweet. And, you know, they're just, I don't know, fixtures in people's lives. But your grandparents have been around the block. so Multiple times. Yes. If you are blessed enough to still have your grandparents around, you should have some conversations with them. They'll they'll tell you some stuff. I wish it was a requirement that all elderly people would be required to give some sort of autobiography about their life. Yeah. Where someone would just come in and just record an hours of conversation and ask a series of questions, and it may just take a day. Mm-hmm. But I, I know when my, my great uncle passed, he was in his 90s, and when he was alive, he just had so much knowledge that none of us had nor could experience. Mm-hmm. And it just kills me that none of us just spent the time to say, Uncle, let's just sit down for a full day and we have a list of 100 questions and you just let it ride. Yeah. Because so much history gets lost when these individuals pass on. Granted, Joyce's parents, grandparents are still alive. All of my grandparents have passed. Mm-hmm. But like I don't have that history. Okay, well, what it was like for you when you were growing up in the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, and to get their perspective. We get our parents' perspective from their parents' you eyes, but it's what not they the know. same. Exactly. Yeah. And it, that's it doesn't really come from the, all the, they felt the like sharing. Really, like at the end of the day, there's a reason why you have a certain image of your parents or your grandparents. And the thing is, your parents can't hide it as much. When you grow up, you see who your parents are. Most you know? definitely. You're like, ooh. <laughs> they, they become human. Yes. Yes. Your grandparents still kind of get to stay in that, like, oh, you, you're just yeah, they all do. wise and all know. They get to stay They get there, to elevate yes. the human Because the they figured role. out how to, <laughs> how to duck and dodge a lot better than your parents have because this isn't their first rodeo. Uh, but, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I would like to know. My, my grandma said she'd write... Uh, an autobiography, but we can read it till after she's gone. <laughs> but then I'm good with that. Like, that would be dope where if you set something up and it was legally sealed and then upon their passing, the family would get it and you just have this historical record, record. of your grandparents' lives. Imagine how dope that would be if we had history and anthologies of our great, 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 great grandparents and you all the way exactly, through time. Exactly, yeah. Like, you know how dope that is? Yeah, from the horse's mouth. Like, we, screw all the history that you're teaching in the classrooms. I'm trying to learn that history. Right. Like, that would be really dope. But this is what happens when we don't, we can't normalize basic conversations. Well, we, because the thing is, too, it, it allows you, we romanticize the past. It, it, we think that the people who lived before us were... Not as human as we were. I didn't know as much as we did. Or you know, you just you 
make them a certain way when really they were just like us living in a different time. Most definitely. And yeah. I guess I just I just wish we were able to have more authentic conversations Me where too. taboo subjects were not reserved for just your close circle of friends. Like yeah. we can talk about all of this Maybe. with anyone and it wasn't this negative bad experience because again so much knowledge gets lost. And I, I go back to you know the whole conversation when you know, I cre- created this credit card course and when I was starting you know the business and trying to ask for questions if people are so loose lipped or, or excuse me are so tight lipped on information, I was like, why are, why are we so so quick to be like, no, I can't share any information. This is all mine. It's like, look, the knowledge is free. Yeah. Now, whether what you do with the knowledge is completely up to you. You can, somebody who's a successful millionaire can tell you exactly how they became a millionaire if you don't repeat the steps. And, the, and even repeating those steps may not work for you. Right. Because your life and your, an ba- your yeah, paths yeah. are different. Yeah. But it's like we don't want to share because we're we're so concerned that someone else is going to take our, our our what we have. I'm just like, man, why? Let's just have conversations. Let them be easy. Let's be fun flowing. Let's talk about it. Let's just be real. Yeah, I think that's something that we're good at. Our our generation. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. It's, it's become more and more. We are more open about it. I just wish it was able to transcend more generations than right. just ours. Yeah, well, but, but we'll be the elderly people <laughs> in front of the camera. Record this. <laughs> you need this information. Wouldn't that be hilarious? Yeah, you had some eighty-year-olds recording the podcast. Yeah, I don't know why I'm doing that. I, hope I, don't, I don't know. Sound like I, was, that. I really don't know why you're shaking. You're doing a whole lot. You're talking about romanticizing. You out here just stereotyping your ass off. I was like, neither one of my grandparents are doing all that. Zero, yeah. and neither were mine. Three of them, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that's our impressionable people. Yeah, that's just all bad. <laughs> Good try, day. though. You tried. Yeah. Now, for the past week or so, there has been a video going around the internet that has essentially caused a lot of conversation, and Joy and I have finally got around to watching the video, and that was the conversation on the grapevine, which was debating whether or not Bruno Mars is a cultural appropriator. Now, this was the first time I had heard of their platform, and looking back to their YouTube channel, I was like, oh, man, you guys have a lot of dope conversations. And I, was, I, I, I yeah, remember do, when yeah. I watched the video, I had tweeted, and I said, okay, man, I would love just to be a part of that dialogue in those rooms with you know, black millennials who from different walks of life just talking about sharing their opinion, and it's recorded, similar to what we do here. But back to to the conversation of, is Bruno Mars a cultural appropriator? And after watching this 50-minute video, I was so floored at the passion that some of these individuals had in saying that Bruno is a cultural appropriator. And I just want to come out and say what my vote is, is I do not believe Bruno Mars is a cultural appropriator. I believe that he is, he has given respect and homage to those who came before him. And to me, when I was listening to the audio and these individuals express their disdain, I, it's really what it came down to for Bruno, is to me it wasn't really a, con- it shifted from a conversation of cultural appropriation to a conversation of black folks not getting the same opportunities as their non-black counterparts. Right. And to me, that's the, the conversation that I wanted to, I wish they focused more on. Because as they kept talking and explaining, 
I was like, okay, we're getting further and further away, and there's individuals in the room who are just like, nah. So what? What is this debate about? So that's what my my takeaway was also that that it's a deeper issue because if you take Bruno, sometimes an issue needs a figurehead. So people decided that Bruno Mars. We're just, right now. Bruno Mars is someone that we can use who's not a black person, who is a person of color, but he's not a black person, and he's using our music, and he just won a Grammy for it. I'm also in the camp that I don't think that Bruno is a cultural appropriator, and that's simply because he gives credit where credit is due. I think credit appro- cultural appropriation is when you take something as your own, give yourself credit or give somebody credit to whom it doesn't belong. Like, that doesn't make... And, and to them, someone had made a good point of saying, when you do it like with malice and you're trying to do this beyond your lifestyle, saying, okay, here is you know, someone who's a, a non-black person and comes out and says, I'm going to purposely steal this and I'm going to try to create this whole persona that's completely not me. Right. And then once it doesn't fit me, I can take off this cloak and go on about my day. And so I know you know nothing about this experience. Right. And I don't feel in anything that Bruno has done that he's walking around like, oh, I'm this brother. He's like, no, I have an affinity to this type of yeah. music and I want to perform it and he's been successful because of it and I'm not knocking his success because again I haven't seen anything that Bruno has done that leads me to say oh man this man's out here yeah. trying to trying to take advantage of black music and, and is not showing love I'm like nah I, I, I don't see that he had there's a list of every track and who it's modeled after I, I don't know where that list is but there's it's like new edition James Brown like there's just each track on uh, 24 Karat Magic or 24K? And, yeah, 20, 20, 24K. 24K. And that's what they, the main album that, that they were talking about. But again, it, to me, was a, it was a, a deeper conversation of, again, black folks not given the, the same opportunities that non-black yeah. musicians are given. And they did make good points. Yeah, no, I agree it. with that. Yeah. And that then, I 100 And that's where I felt. With. I said, to me, this yeah. is a, a, a different conversation. And, and you know, someone said, well, we just need to hold Bruno accountable and individuals who are not black who are getting these same opportunities, who are getting better opportunities performing our music, we need to hold them accountable to make sure that they are you know, giving back, reaching back, and giving black artists, you know, individuals who are born in this genre, who you know, culturally understand it, can get those same opportunities. I was like, okay, I don't have an issue with that. But it's like the anger that went on from some of these individuals. I was like, yo, y'all are wild and low-key. Right, and I think that's the other thing is that when you're fighting for a seat at the table, like you're just... And you have this thing in your mind, well, there's only room for so many, and he's taking a spot. When really, that's not the issue. The issue is that there should be more spots. Like, there, it shouldn't be, well, Bruno is using some of our music, and now there's no room for anyone who is qualified, right, in, in quotation marks, to, to sing our songs. So... Uh, yeah, I would have liked to see that conversation explored. I'm not having an issue with Bruno. And I think, too, my guard's down, being honest, because he is a person of color. Maybe he was just, like, yeah, he's not black. straight-up white boy from, like, you know, the South. And he was like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. But, it, again, it's not really who I am. I saw my friends do it, and I know I can capitalize on it. Then I would have an issue. But I'm just not getting that vibe from Bruno. Now, could we be wrong? Yeah, he could be. If an audio recording comes out, Bruno, he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm just taking black people's stuff." Oh yeah, the <laughs> yeah, world. Like, yeah, then, like then the world's gonna black break. People aren't gonna get it. I'm <laughs> just gonna do it. Like you know, fine. But I do feel like your your the odds are still stacked against you as a person of color. So yeah, yeah. I I just, I just didn't have that that same disdain, and and there were 
Jimmy Jam basically came out and tweeted and said, no, I do not think that he's a, a, a cultural appropriator, and I believe my friends Babyface and Teddy Riley, and Teddy Riley was a figurehead within this conversation, would agree. Yeah, so it, it was, it's good dialogue to have. Yes, and, I, and I, important. And very important. Yeah. And it, was a, it was a passionate conversation. Yeah. And the thing I enjoyed most about it, and it's specifically, and this is where I give a hats off to the entire Grapevine staff, is having black folks from different backgrounds coming and discussing topics that are related to our culture, but having completely different opinions. Mm-hmm. You don't get to see that often. And yeah. that's what I took away and, and wanted to go back and watching some of their videos. It was just nice to hear different opinions from black folks because it, a lot of black opinions in mainstream get put in one line. Yeah, Saying it's like, if, and this is what all black people yeah, think. If, if, you're, you if you're black, this is what you think. This is how yeah. you talk. This is how you act. This is how you dress. And that narrative gets flipped when you watch the videos that they have created. So again, shout out to the Grapevine team and, and the creators and those who engage in those conversations. I would love an invite. And you guys, most, mostly East Coast cats, and you know, they had a few brothers from the South. But look, if you ever need a Cali boy to come out to, to the East Coast and talk about a little something, I would love to indulge in those conversations. Do, does the East Coast respect the West Coast opinion? Ah, that's a good question. That I would like to know. Uh, you know, there, there's probably some shade. Yeah, because I think they think shade. we're real bubblegum. But yes. we're, I mean, we're talking about some shit over here too. Obviously, our experience is a little different um, because the history uh, is ri- more rich. The history of the United States is on the East Coast, so the undertones there of what you are dealing with are different. We do live in California. It is extremely liberal so liberal that one sometimes well not all parts of california but los angeles i I don't know if it gets better than this minus san francisco san francisco is just like the most extreme left yes but you know i think about that when i think about moving sometimes i don't know where else that where else i could live because yeah, it's liberal, but you still know that you're a Negro here. Like, like at yeah. the end of the day, like, you're black. That's, that's honestly, yeah. like, real. When Joe and I talk about would we be open to living in other places, like, I always go back to the comforts. Like, I love Atlanta. But it's like to live in Atlanta and know 15 miles in either direction, like, I'm surrounded by hate. Like, I just don't know if I can... It's an I, issue. I, yeah, like, I just don't know if that's where I can be. Like, yeah. I, and that's tough. And, I, yeah. and I'm sure there's... I mean, you're Austin, Texas, and now you got the nonsense that's happening with the, the package bombings in, in, in Austin uh, yeah. this week. And I'll hopefully they, they, they capture this lunatic and anyone who has a tip on it. I know the, the sheriff's department or the police department increased the reward from 15000 to 115000 to try to get more information. But it's like that just – I don't know if I could, if I could live in, in, in those cities where it's like, okay, yeah, this is a comfortable city, mm-hmm. but if you go too far north, south, east, or west – the you might run into some shit. Yeah, it's it's like, a, that's ah. the problem. The foundation of these places. Still got hate. They got yeah. hate in their heart. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. That's why I yeah. like LA. I'm like, man, they're, they're, the hate in the heart is... Now, you got people who, who don't like you in every state and every city. That's, that's right. obvious. But there's just not... Like, there's not cultural... Like over years and, and, and <laughs> centuries of hate with families, with plantations yeah, and like slavery. More, I just uh, In California, like you, you run into more white people who just haven't dealt with black people, so they don't know what to do. So they're just like, I don't, I'm trying to figure out how to, when it's like they don't mean to be racist. <laughs> That's the best way I can think to describe it. 
but it's still racist. So you're like, hey, so when you said this, that was bad. But then you're mad because you're like, I shouldn't have to explain this to you. I'm just a person. Yeah. Like that's that's a lot of what we run into. It's just, yeah, it's that. But every place has its thing. But yeah, so that's that's what I would like to know. Would the East Coast allow you allow a West Coast? Oh, I'd probably get grilled soon as yeah. I soon as I walked in. I would. They probably yeah. look man. Who's this LA yeah. boy? Who's this cat? I'm here talking about this. Yeah, yeah. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. Let's be real. But that's good. That's why I I, I appreciate yeah. their platform. I'm looking forward to seeing more of their their debates because again, I had never heard of them, and then now I went back and looked. I was like, oh, you got some good topics. We as the married millennials are in need of some clarity from our, our single folk. What's going on out there? Like, be real with us. What's happening with the dating scene? Because, honestly, the more I talk to my single friends and I watch what they think is dating happen and just <laughs> hearing the horror stories, I'm just confused. And I had tweeted something, I think, a few weeks back. And I said, dating cannot be this hard. Mm-hmm. I, it can't be. And there was multiple single people that came back and said, yes, yes it, it is. is. Yes. And I, I need some help. Like, I really need some help understanding. I get it. I have been off of the market for 10 years now. Yeah. I understand. Right. But I, I go back to who I am as a person. And if I'm interested in somebody, the steps I would take to then pursue that interest. And I don't, I don't think that what I would do would not work because of the current climate of the dating world. But I, I just, I, I need some help. Like, is it really, really this tough out here? Because as, as an observer, what I see are people who have just lost all ability to engage on an interpersonal level. Yeah. That is, is what I've seen. If these expectations, well, I don't want to do this because of that, or I don't believe we should do this, and you overthink the hell out of it. It's like when you like somebody, I, I just correct me if I'm wrong, but if you like somebody and you're interested in somebody, what, what is the next step that you're supposed to do? You have a conversation with them. And then if the conversation's flowing, what do you do after that? You ask to go on a date. Now, if you guys go on a date, depending if the date goes well or not, if the date goes well, you go on a second date. If the date doesn't go well, you guys stop talking. And if the second date goes well, then, hey, maybe there's a third date. And after the third date, you probably have a conversation. I was like, okay, I may be feeling this person. Let's see where this explores. Okay, we're exclusively dating. Well, now we're officially together. I don't and think we will exclusively date after the third date. Not necessarily yeah, after the third date. I was going to say, I was feeling you until. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying exclusively yeah. dating, but it's like, okay, maybe I'm not going on any other dates right now. I'm, I'm just focused. Now I'm going to narrow my interest. I can tell you that's ideal, uh, an idealist view. Okay, that could be Based an off idealist of what, what I've heard. Okay. Okay. Uh, like three three dates is a little because this is the thing. Everyone is out there trying to figure out if they can do better. That's the first issue. Everyone is looking like mm, you're cool, but I might be able to do better. So I'll keep you around, but we'll see. Like you know, because I like you enough. So there 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 is one issue. The other is I'm seeing a lot of people approaching dating as what can I get out of this? It's not even really about getting to know a person, to see if you really like them. It's not that. It's like, what you know? What kind of job does this person have? Are they going to be able to make me happy? Are they as fine as I think they are? Uh, you know, like just all these kind of shallow things. You, first of all, it is no one's job to make you happy. Like that is, 
Let me just put that out there. Nobody's job. So if you're approaching dating in that way, saying, okay, is this person going to be able to add to me in a way that's going to fulfill me? No, the answer is always going to be no. You're always going to come up short. If you're sitting there thinking, is it worth it to take somebody out on a date? Then that person is going to feel the energy of like, I don't know if you're worth it. And then the date is going to be crappy. Like if you're sitting there wondering, I don't know if this is it. Are you worth my time? Are you worth my money? You got to throw all that off the window. For women, it can't be about like, well, I'll at least get a free meal out of it. Like, what's the word? I'll at least get a free meal, so I guess I'll go. You're not going to have a good date. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? You're like, so people are setting themselves up for disasters. And I think that it's easy for us because we've been in a relationship for a long time. Dating should be the fun part. It should be the hard part because the relationship doesn't get easier. It's not like, <laughs> oh my God, we're in a relationship now. Things are so easy. Like, no, go out there, date, have fun, get to know people. And then if that doesn't work, go get to know another person. But you don't have to be sitting there worried about what this person's going to do to you. What are you bringing to the table? Facts. What can we, can we, what are you bringing to the table? Can we address yeah. that number one fact of everyone complaining and asking what they, the person that they are dating, bring yeah. to the table? What is your ass bringing? Yes. Because if, if you are a buster, male or female, and you're looking for the, the counterpart to be somebody great, um, can we take a second? Yeah, and just look in the mirror and realize at the end your of the role day, in this situation. Right, it it is about character, and we have a lot of people who are a six on the character scale looking for a ten on the character scale, and they're not even looking for character. So that's the other thing; they'll sacrifice character for you know somebody who's a six in character but a 10 in looks be like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna go for that, and then you wonder when you are in a relationship why it why it sucks. Because you didn't do it right. So dating, it doesn't have to be that hard. But what we have is a mix of people approaching dating in a very, very selfish manner. But if you're thinking, okay, what am I going to bring to the table to this date? Am I going to put my best foot forward? That's all you can do. It is not up to you whether that person is going to be worth it or not. You have to go and see. But, but it's, and too, but there's even some of like, my homies. I'm like, y'all don't even go on dates. Like, it's not even... It's like, okay, well, we're just going to kick it and we kind of figure out what it goes from there. No, absolutely fucking not. I, I, my my whole thing, like I said, it. and this is where I just don't understand. Like, if, if I like you or if I have an interest in you, I just want, I'm going to ask you to go on a date. And maybe that I'm just completely old school in this and nobody asks that. Yeah. And if it does, then, then we have a certified problem. But it's just like, why, why do we make things... School. So complicated. And that's the thing. Is I like, like you, you like me. Let's have a conversation. Right. A date doesn't have to be a fancy restaurant dinner date. A date could be meet up at the boardwalk on a, a Saturday afternoon or, you know, meet up for coffee after work or a drink, whatever. Try to stay away from alcohol, probably <laughs> your first meeting. But I'm just saying that there are ways to go on dates that don't have to be ridiculous. You know, obviously avoid the movie somewhere you're not going to be able to talk. But um, bowling, just there are things. Or just like walk up and down a really nice street and get some ice cream. Like there, there are ways. There, there, when, and I told one of my friends this, is when Joy and I were broken up for that brief two-month period, I had went on a few dates. And none of those dates were at night. Because it, it just 
to me, it knocks off all the pressure. It just it knocks off the, okay, well, we got to dress up and how's nice this dinner? Is this fancy? Because you may not even be there. But when we were able to just meet up for lunch, the sun's out. Oh, you want to just walk down the street? We can just walk and talk, pop yeah. in the store. I get a better feel for your personality. We're not both trying to put on this show it's because we're at a, at a nice restaurant. Okay, well, how do they cut their meat? How yeah. do they talk? I'm just like, yeah, let's just chill. Let's have a conversation. We're talking at a bar. Like, imagine the conversations yeah. you have with someone you meet at a bar. It's very low-key. You're just chilling. We're sitting there talking. Okay, great. You have a good night. It was that same sort of interaction, yeah. but it wasn't at a bar. It was at a, at a, a restaurant yeah, or a happy hour having lunch. Is that the po- sun is your savior. Right, because a lot of people are just trying to have sex, too. That's the that's the other problem. So if you're meeting at night, that that is heightened. With Tinder, like Tinder culture is we're going to meet up, and you're, you're not even deciding whether you want to be in a relationship or not. You're deciding whether or not you're going to sleep with each yeah, other. Yeah, swipe like, culture has messed up dating, too, I will say it up a lot. 100%. So I do, I feel for people because I don't think, I think because uh, the majority of people are approaching the situation incorrectly, it is hard. But again, like me with the environmental stuff, if you can do your part, you have a better chance of, of succeeding instead of stooping down to the level of what's available. And then you just become scum like the rest of it. So then everybody is just trash and dating, but not really dating. Like, level up. Level <laughs> yourself up. And then you will catch what you put out there. And I know it can be discouraging when you've been on five dates and you're like, man, I've brought my best foot forward. And three of the people were just trying to have sex and the other two were just like awful human beings. I don't know if I want to keep doing this. Yes, you do, because the right person for you, you need to allow yourself to be seen by the right person, the real you, not the you that you're putting on, because that's the game now. (laughs) Don't be that person. That's real. I want to hear. I want to hear from single folks. I want to hear from both men and women. I want to hear. Same. I want to hear what are your women, what are your biggest struggles that you have encountered with dating? And men, what are your biggest struggles that you've encountered with dating? Because we need to have some conversation because I'm I'm hearing it. I I think I know the issues. I'd rather rather hear. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I can observe and put my issues out there, but I, I, I don't want that. I want someone to, to send us messages. Email us, info at lovejays.com. Mm-hmm. Send us an email. And be like, As a woman, these are all the things that I'm seeing what's wrong with dating. And men, these are all the things that I'm experiencing. I want to know because we need to have a healthy conversation because this shit cannot be this hard. It can't be. Yeah. Like, it, 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 it can't. It is, but it doesn't need to be. That, that's the truth. It is, but it doesn't need to be. So let us know what's up with your dating life. We desperately want to know, and we're here to help. If you have a question about how you should handle something and you just don't know, I believe everybody has in their gut what the real answer is, but if you need just someone to bounce ideas off of, shoot us an email. Switching gears, I recently finished Conversations with God by Neil Walsh, and I was obsessed with this entire book. Justin, you've read how many pages? 29 pages. 29 pages. And I had to reread multiple pages because your mind is just blown as you're reading it. We only have one copy and Joy's been reading most of it. So I said, once you finish, I will continue. And it took me a while to read it. You know, I'm a fast reader, but these books are a bit dense and the, the material is something that you need to digest if you will. So I can't eat it all in one sitting. <laughs> but the thing that I took away from this book, and there are a lot of takeaways, but the, the lesson that I wanted to share is about manifestation. Manifestation is taught across the world in many different ways. And obviously, you know, we are Christian. So, and, and 
manifestation is talked about in the Christian church as declaration, right? You know, the words that you say, what you declare has power, but it's not taught how you should do it. It's like, oh, you should just say something in the Lord's name and it should be done. Yes, I understand that, but I had an epiphany while reading this book and I wanted to share it with you all. So if you say all the time, I want more money, and that is your declaration, right? I want more money. What the universe does is it creates more wanting. So you're saying, I want more money, and the universe takes it and goes, okay, you're going to want more money. And it just keeps giving you more wanting of money. But if you say, I am rich, the universe takes that and says, okay, you are rich and just gives you money, you know? And, and, I, and I know that that sounds overly simplified, but that's how simple it is. Everything that I have declared and said, I am, has happened. Everything I've said, I want, I continue to want. And I would like you to see if that's true in your life. What about you? Have you had experiences where you've declared, well, obviously, <laughs> I am ready to walk in my purpose. <laughs> Hello, 2018. That was a 24-hour turnaround. And the universe is like, all right, here's some readiness for you. Did you get that? No, I got that immediately. And immediately. My, my manifestation journey is a little slower than Joy's because Joy is on a spiritual just journey. Yeah. And has, I now want a spiritual gangster t-shirt. Yeah, she just dove in on <laughs> so many different levels. But I can say the times where I have confidently said something as if it had already happened, their results have poured in much quicker. And the, and the biggest thing was the whole purpose episode that I recorded. And I mean, you guys remember listening to that episode and saying, I'm ready to walk in my purpose for 28 years. I've been living for other people and I am ready. And 24 hours later, I'm laid off of my job. I don't believe that's a coincidence and it it was not an accident because I was ready to do it. And to Joy's point, the things that I could see and say, oh, I want to do it. I I, I would like to. They never happen. And, And a lot of it too comes from you know the motivation and, and I've said this before but as the the ability to just do like the ability to act and to move in that direction we get stymied so much by our inability to act we just continue to say well I want I want I want but we're not changing anything yeah we just continue to go on about our day with no changes to our actions and then get frustrated when years go by and ain't shit changed right whose fault is that right and so, and that's also part of the book too. Is that you the the levels of manifestation are you think of something, then you say it, and then you do it. So it doesn't help to say, "I am rich," but not do anything. <laughs> you know, like oh, I'm rich. like that doesn't help to just say it. Yeah, I'm I'm going to keep yeah. saying I'm rich, and I'm going to sit here yeah. and not move from my couch, and then the coins right. are going like, to fall at upon. At least me. play the lottery or something. <laughs> like if you're gonna, if you're gonna try it. Uh, but yeah, I even I said I am going to marry Justin. That happened. Here I am. Yeah. You happy? I I said that. I am happy with you said that. Yeah. <laughs> you still love me. Yes, I still love you. Yeah, you do. So in short, your words do have power. Watch what you say, how you say it, and the things that you want. Change that mindset to already having them. You have it. You are that. And I think language is set up in a way where it sounds weird to say, I am rich. When I'm looking, I'm like, mm, I'm not rich. <laughs> like, you know, because you're saying it in the present tense, but you, you've got to speak that way if that is indeed what you want. And then your 
the intent behind it can't be I don't have money I want money and so I'm gonna say that I want you have to then believe that you are rich takes and that's just one example whatever whatever it is that you want believe that you have it and then claim it and then live your best life it all sounds so simple and I'm sure it is that simple and it is something that we are going to start practicing we have started this year and seeing the blessings unfold month after month just by changing our mindset and our approach to things so i'm excited to see how 2018 19 20 and the rest play out because again as we move along this journey we do want to live our best lives and obviously we want you guys to live yours as well Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Married Millennials. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a review and, of course, share it with your friends. And as always, let's keep the conversation going online. Head over to our website, lovejays.com, and you will see all of our social media icons right there at the top of the page. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday.